Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Y'all can hear me okay? All good, baby. We good? Be Monday, everybody. You are now tuned in to High at 9 News. Thank you for joining. Not only get High at 9 with us, but also High Noon on the East Coast. I'm Rico Lamid, the dopest dad on the street. It is Monday, excuse me, April 3rd. Am I still there? Yeah, bro, keep on going. Are you not used to having internet, Rico? What the hell? Just read it. I'm not used to it, man. I'm not used to it. It's not like a today is our World Party Day, National Tweed Day. To put your tea on the front of your joint. National Find a Rainbow Day because you know what? Skittles come out the other side. National Film Score Day because if you're not a critic, then somebody's criticizing you. National IEP Writing Day. So for all you guys with uh, special needs kids, make sure you guys are checking in with your parents, uh, with the teachers, I should say. Everybody out there watching, please like, share, and hit the subscribe button. Follow us at Hyatt 9 News across all social media platforms. We're live weekday mornings on YouTube and Twitch, audio only on Clubhouse. If you do choose the Clubhouse route, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand with a brief comment on the story presented. Jason Beck is coming up first, and he's got some excellent news for everybody coming down the pipeline. He is the industry's longest continuously operating retailer, and then also a dear, dear friend. Two suspect number one, Donald Trump. Coming to the stage, y'all know who it is. Jason Beck, what do you have for us on this Monday morning? Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. And everyone, take a look at Gretchen's hair today. She got banged. She's banging on y'all, son. But enough of that because we have some really really crazy news going on today because three drug-laden ships were intercepted two of them sink in the pacific ocean off columbia and more than four tons of marijuana was seized that's right more than four tons of marijuana was seized last week in a series of maritime incidents in which two drug-laden ships ended up sinking the colombian navy has said a total of three vessels were intercepted with at least one sinking as it tried to elude Navy ships, the Navy said in a statement on Saturday. The Navy said the ships were carrying marijuana worth about $29 million and posted videos of officers unloading packages containing the drugs. Captain Wilberth 
Jer Roa Wilches said the first incident occurred when a Colombian Navy aircraft located a boat that was navigating at a high velocity in the North Pacific area. Because of bad weather, that boat took on a lot of water and ended up sinking. Officials, officials rescued two people who were on board and recovered about 5,000 pounds of marijuana from the vessel, the Navy said. In the second incident, officials said a high-speed ship was detected in the Pacific Ocean and the boat with two people on board was intercepted and officials said about 2,000 pounds of marijuana and more than 1,000 packages were seized. In the last operation, units of the Pacific Naval Force detected a vessel manned by three individuals about 50 nautical miles off the coast of Bahia Solano and the boat carried carried out evasive maneuvers to flee, but was unable to do so and ended up sinking, officials said. Officers rescued the three people from the water and gave them first aid. Later, 46 pack packages that were adrift in the sea were recovered, holding about 2,500 pounds of marijuana, the Navy said. In all, seven arrests were made and more than 700,000 doses of the drug were seized, officials said. The suspects face multiple charges, including trafficking, manufacturing, and carrying narcotics. And the Colombian Navy has been busy intercepting drug-laden vessels off the coast. Last month, a semi-submarine vessel carrying nearly 1,000 packages of cocaine was intercepted off the coast of Colombia. That came about a week after officials seized another narco-sub carrying two dead bodies and a huge haul of drugs in the same region. Well, well, well. I wonder, since Colombia legalized cannabis, how much of this is actually legal cannabis that they are transporting that is turning into illegal cannabis. But I'm going to digress and see what y'all have to say. And this is Jason Beck reporting for High at Nine News. What do y'all think? I like hear the sad, slow song of the Titanic in the background as you were doing this story. <laughs> I was like, this poor boat's just going underwater here. Um, yeah, I mean, this is exciting. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, for the people on the boats and also dead bodies and drugs. I don't know. Do you think this was do you think this was legal cannabis from Colombia? Yeah, I mean <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's off metric. I mean is there metric in Colombia? I'm just saying. There's some know. kind of something out there. I'd have more questions if I knew more, more about Columbia. What is the metric equivalent down there? Does anyone know? Well, metric equivalent is di is different. You're, you're, when you say metric equivalent, I think you're considering weight, which would be kilograms, Chris, but we're talking about metric to track and trace. Yeah, I don't understand where they come up with doses from. I was confused yeah. by that. I, they made it sound like they were like still an acid or something. Right. I was thinking more along that line. I was like, how are they measuring it? I don't mm -hmm. know. Oh, I like though. that. Very I, like I like that, Justin. It was social equity cannabis <laughs> from Columbia. <laughs> going to Germany, right? Maybe it was. Maybe I wonder how much of it was actually destined for the U.S. and like where they were actually going to sell it for, or if they were just sending it to Mexico. Or does it, does it specify in the article where it went down? 
and I know it's coming out of Colombia, but well, it was it was taken down by 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 Colombian uh, Colombian Navy, and so I would assume that it would be in the Colombian Navy's jurisdiction of the of the seawaters. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe we should get somebody that is growing cannabis out in Colombia to come be on the show with us here soon. See if they know anything about it. Well, all they have to do is is join, come in Clubhouse, and come offer a comment by raising their hand. They don't even have to join the show like that. It's true. Let me see if I can get something on the line. Here. Oh man, here we go. Oh, I I think I know who you're talking to too. <laughs> I think I have an idea. I mean, Gretchen, what do you think about this, Gretchen? This is a big deal in Colombia. Don't care. They they put out a tweet. <laughs> Like international drug trade is like a new thing. Don't care. Move along. That's <laughs> a naysayer. I think it's the new haircut. Just, yeah, it is. Extra sass today. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Congratulations. Spice up the front. I just don't care. You just don't care. You don't care about Colombia? I love Colombia. I think they are great growers of cannabis. I think uh, a lot great of. Great growers of cannabis. Shut up. Have I you think some Colombian weed? I have been to Colombian grows uh, and they are quite impressive compared to the crap that we got going on here. I mean, I have seen some amazing grows in Colombia because um, those people know how to grow some flowers. Um, and so cannabis is just another so flower. Do you think huh? it's just, do you think it's just because it's so cheap to set up high tech grows out there as opposed to what it costs to, to set up in the US because of labor costs and inflation and all that? I think that I think that's part of it, but I also yeah. think it has to do with climate. I also saw them uh, using uh, a lot more conservation efforts to get their water brought to them. I mean, this place didn't have what it was massive. It was I forget how many 20 football fields worth of cannabis and they did not have one water tank on the entire on the entire place. Mm -hmm. I mean, because they were bringing it all in from rainwater. Uh, we're not doing that kind of efforts here. Uh, so yeah, I think Colombia is frankly going to be the future world exporter of cannabis. Well, it sounds uh, like and they we already need to are. Be, well, mm -hmm. and then hopefully people won't be dying on the high seas oh, yeah. uh, when they're allowed to do that. Definitely leading the charge when it comes to exporting cannabis. Absolutely, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know anybody who's doing it bigger right now. I just wonder like what kind of boats they were actually Transport. I know. Why was there no photos? I don't know. See what these boats look like. Yeah, and and a, and a submarine too. I mean, where did they get the submarine? You I mean, buy, that's not like the Navy's involved. You, you, you can buy submarines. They make some good Ooh. submarines down there. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, oh man. All right. Well, we're gonna keep it moving. We're gonna go to commercial, and we're gonna be right back. How's it going guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh yeah, coming up next, that's right, it is the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet, who looks like he's trapped in a hotel room somewhere. And we're, and I'm wondering, is it five star or no stars? That's right, it is the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet. It's actually a um, three and a half star hotel suite that I'm in right now, so. Um, I thought, so, so it, that is a hotel room door right there behind you. 
Yeah, I'm definitely in a hotel uh, right now. Did you put the do not disturb sign on? I don't put nothing on, man. <laughs> I just sit it. Disturb him. Yes, disturb the motherfucking peace. There ain't no peace over here. Let's keep it going right here, man. <clears throat> so my story actually broke in the wee hours of the morn on April 1st by The Athletic, and everybody thought it was just another lame-ass April Fool's joke, but Sunday and Monday rolled around, and it's now been confirmed. The NBA and National Basketball Players Association did reach a tentative deal on their new collective bargaining agreement, and the two sides announced the details early, 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 April 1st. And it, needs to, it still needs to be ratified by players and team governors before... And uh, while it's been announced, there are some highlights, and the biggest ones here are ability to promote and, and or invest in betting on these they'll be followed by a non uh, 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 also be able to invest in gambling betting companies um, but the big about they are no longer going sting for cannabis as a banned substance at all so everybody knows uh since the bubble year where the the lakers won their champion asterisk the quietly stopped testing during the season but now they're not even going to be testing in the season and they're not going to be testing for uh for in the past so cannabis but um it's just like alcohol now in the nba so a uh, big up to uh we over at the nba and all my chief members at, uh, nba as well and i cannot wait for the nfl to follow suit. I'm Rico Lamit, dopest dad on the street. Love to hear what everybody else has to say. Who's your favorite smoking NBA player? I mean, all the players in the NBA have been smoking for a while, and I feel like this they've already had that policy, but did they just officially make it official? Um, official, official. No, I know a number of NBA players that, that have been buying trees for a while, and they were never worried about getting drug tested. Never. I mean, it's... it's, it's there's certain it's, things I can't it's say. It's probably right now, just a formality, <laughs> like they're actually yeah. formally stating it, making it known. Yeah, yeah it's official it's now. It's, 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 but it's, it's probably similar to what I would imagine, um, you know, getting caught with cannabis in a container and not having a license for it. It's probably a big slap on the hand of some sort, or has been, and then just moved forward. But it's exciting. It's very exciting. I love to see professional athletes being able to have access to this plant, being able to utilize yes, it to heal their body. Um, you know, I can imagine how many of us even just sitting here that grew up playing sports, if we would have been able to freely access this for medicinal healing purposes during college, it would have made a huge difference on the way we took care of our bodies post-recovery, myself included. So mm -hmm. I'm excited for this. This is great. Yeah, Good point. Does this expand into NCAA? Do we think it'll go down NCAA level? No, no. not a chance. And to the NCAA. NCAA, no way. Because most college students graduate between 21 and 22 years old, so they would have to have a medical recommendation. And there's a case to be made um, in response to your comment about them being tested before. It was if your team had a certain suspicion about you. So if you were in the doghouse, uh, you're going to get tested. Other yeah. than that, you're not going to get tested. You were not going to get tested unless it was the off season. Yeah, that just goes basically to what Nick said in the chat. He said it was it was an unofficial role. Note it's been taken out of the collective collective bargaining agreement, which I think is fantastic for all those NBA ballers out there. And I just wonder who 
is going to have the stankiest weed in their locker room during game day. Well, and part of me wonders how I'm much of Brittany Griner's situation had to do with this. I mean, because there were so many players and folks out there in support of her last year. You think um, that had something to do with this, really? Yeah, I think absolutely oh, it had. And, you know, nobody stopped coming to games because people I'm were not, supporting I'm not this. That. All right, fine, Jason. Be the woman here that charged. However, actually, I actually I think it could have. I could think it mattered. I think it may, it maybe it didn't heavily drive the conversation, but I definitely would have to believe that it impacted some of the logical decision making that went around this. It has to. It was too big. Of a I'm sure this was already. Yeah, I agree, Mandy. I think this was already in the works, yeah. and I think that helped to push it over the edge. Frankly, home. do yeah. you think that the NBA did it on purpose by releasing it on April 1st on April Fool's Day, like they were trying to just like gaslight people on this? <laughs> ha ha ha! I hope not. It's hard. It's April Fool's is a tough day for news, right? Because it's like yeah. then you got to really, you got to really like, is this real or not? Like. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also like, not normal to drop news on a Saturday, so. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they were trying to bring that much attention to it. Yeah, and and, and Chris, to 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 your question, um, Nick, Nick is saying the NCAA tests for 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 performance enhancing drugs and steroids during the regular season, and they only test for recreational drugs during championships. That's interesting right there mm. so once it's time for final four you know everyone's getting drug tested i mean i played a sport in college no one cared about at a school no one really cared about i was only drug tested one time and it was at a after a championship i don't know rico did you uh they, they drug tested you in high school no in college oh i was gonna you, say you didn't get drug tested in high school we got drug tested i did not get drug tested at all in high no, school and we were all our athletes we had championship winning teams yeah, I mean, maybe the, not the badminton team that you were on, Jason, but, uh, but real sports. We were sports, some badass got... teams, and we uh-huh. did nothing but win state championships. I'm girl. sure. Game-recognized game. Pickleball tournament, There's Jason, no way. champion. Football girl, know that. Pittsburgh, <laughs> California. Uh, I would say. Last team to no beat D. LaSalle. No to that, Jason. Um, <laughs> in in college, you get you get tested for street drugs by the university. NCAA tests you tests you for steroids and stimulants. Um, you get tested once in the between <clears throat> between uh, summer and the start of the season. And then if you're going to a bowl game when it's football, you'll get tested again. Generally, before um, before you go to any big tournaments or big uh, uh, bowl games or anything like that, you're going to get tested. Um, and then once in the summer. Other than that, you just don't get tested for street drugs unless it's by the university. Um, and that's why a lot of scholarship athletes, myself included, uh, were able to know the testing system. You know exactly when you're going to get tested. You know exactly when you need to stop uh, smoking or stop consuming whatever you are consuming. And, and those who don't probably have a problem. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But congratulations to all of the big-time NBA players. I know this is huge yes, news. And uh, yes. I'm excited to see which uh, which which sport follows suit next. Maybe um, if Las Vegas follows through and gets an NBA team, then they'll have a consumption lounge in the stadium. How about that? Yeah, right. Doesn't, right. I have a question. Doesn't hockey have some rule like this? I thought the NHL I, had already embraced cannabis. I, I was going to say, I think the NHL would be the next the next sport to take a position like this as the NBA. Yes. I'm pretty exactly. sure the NHL has. Yeah. Where is NHL the NFL and, uh, and the Major League Baseball Association? NFL, NFL will be the last organization to do this. 
Correct. Think? Well, maybe uh, the Olympics. Maybe Probably baseball. the Olympics, but NBA will be the or NFL will be the last. I don't know. I think baseball are pretty <laughs> old and stodgy. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't think so. Baseball's got the only confirmed no hitter on LSD, Doc Ellis. Oh yeah, that's right. That is right. And I just feel like baseball, like like who cares if you're doing drugs with baseball? Like it's so slow anyway. Everybody cares <laughs> about drugs and baseball. Are you kidding me? I'm just saying they should. I mean, I mean, is it with the four hour game? Is that what the fuck else you gonna do is but but drugs and enjoy that shit? <laughs> mm-hmm. I like baseball. You would. I would. Of course, yes, you do. I of course would. You like Gretchen, baseball, Gretchen, because you play. Softball. You know why? There's nothing wrong with it. It's America's favorite pastime. It is not America's favorite pastime. Uh-huh. It's just marketed as that. Oh, they've done well marketing it that way. Eight hundred percent have. What, what the fuck is a pastime in the world? What? Well, well that's we that's, that's why baseball is so long. It's because it's okay. pastime. All right, can we move along so I can do my damn story? Is, is, is it before you eat up all my story? time with all this bullshit? Is it pastime on the story, not Gretchen? <laughs> Y'all are killing me. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Gretchen. Not good. in the mood on a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> you, it's everybody's favorite. Yeah, you know who it is. Up next, up next is everybody's favorite redheaded conservative. And now that she has the the special cut, we can say that she's a banging redheaded conservative. <laughs> no, for mixing things up on K Street by day and culinary delights in the kitchen at night. Come to the stage next is the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington Insider, Gretchen Gailey. Good afternoon. My headline is coming from WTOP. Uh, DC-based gifting dispensaries will be able to get medical cannabis licenses. The legal purgatory that many DC-based marijuana gifting dispensaries live in will likely end thanks to a new law that took effect last week. The aim is to make it easier to get medical cannabis from a legal business that sells regulated products. Currently, well over 100 dispensaries will sell a sticker or t-shirt for 100 bucks and then gift the customer an amount of cannabis that's equivalent in value. It was a legal gray area, but now many of those companies are going to be able to get medical marijuana dispensary licenses. The Medical Cannabis Amendment Act of 2021 went into effect on March 22nd. It eliminates caps on the number of medical dispensaries, allowing many of the gifting brick and mortar and delivery services to apply for medical marijuana licenses. It also expands the type of licenses that retailers could apply for, including internet retailer and a courier license or of deliveries of marijuana, as well as safe use facility endorsement to allow tasting events, cannabis-based cooking classes, and summer garden events that allow sales in private outdoor spaces. Retailers have 90 days from the effective date to submit an application for a license. The new law will also focus on social equity applicants. At least 50% of licensees must fall under a social equity applicant, meaning they could have been previously incarcerated, related to someone incarcerated on drug offenses, having lived in disproportionately impacted areas for at least 10 years, or qualified for a housing voucher, among other factors. Civil enforcement of the new licensing won't begin for 315 days. Another major portion of the bill permanently allows for D.C. residents to self-certify that they are a patient in need of medical marijuana rather than needing a health care provider's prescription. A temporary and emergency measure for self-certification was passed last year, and the number of registered patients grew from 14,000 in July to nearly 25,000 in October. 
The bill also changes the name of the Alcoholic Beverage Regulation Administration to include the medical cannabis program. It will now be named Alcoholic Beverage and Cannabis Administration. The act's creation of additional business opportunities will also serve to benefit patients in wards of neighborhoods currently without a medical cannabis retailer by providing more convenient locations in the district where they can obtain medical cannabis and medical cannabis products. And that's according to the administration's director, Fred Moosley, uh, who said in a statement, I am very excited for this. I think DC needs this. I think this is their way of telling Biden and Congress to stick it. We will do what we have to do to get cannabis to the residents of DC. This Gretchen Pride, Nine News. Gretchen, I think this is fantastic for DC and for its residents and for anyone that's traveling to DC that wants to self-proclaim or whatever it's called. Self-certify. Yeah, self-certify. But um, and I do believe that DC allows uh, reciprocity. So I have they do, and I have I have a question in regards mm -hmm. to that is. How is Congress letting them get away with doing this? I don't know. They were asleep at the wheel on this on this law, apparently. apparently um, so. <laughs> but I mean, the, I they think the disadvantage of this uh, is they still don't get the tax revenue. I mean, this is a medical program. D.C. could use the tax revenue from an adult use program, uh, which Congress will not allow. I mean, but, you know, most mo, mo, I mean, it generally kind of like goes to shit once it goes to adult use. And so the medical program, good for everyone keeping a medical. out. Well, there. this is essentially an adult use program. I mean, everyone can self-certify. I mean, I believe that all use is medical use anyway. So I think everyone should be able to self-certify. I get it. The goal is to get and people into regulated uh, dispensaries. That's what the goal is. That's your goal. Um, they suggested last year that the um, <laughs> illicit cannabis market in DC was roughly 600 million. Um, roughly 600 million. Yeah. How do you think they actually? They, they, I, I feel like they just pull these numbers out of their. Out of I their, didn't, out of their I didn't make up the number, but that is what yeah, they've quoted. Yeah. But how do you think? I mean, just out of curiosity, does anyone have any like legit ideas of like where do they even start? Chris, I, I would ask you that being former law enforcement, I'd ask you to start that off. I, I'll tell you right now, my bosses just make up numbers. Right. See what I'm saying? <laughs> they made them up. So I don't know, man. I think it, I, I would guess you that know, it's based off of the number of dispensaries. I think it's based off of the amount of product that they seize and then they equate that value and then give it like a, maybe like a 90% X to say that we only are able to seize 10% of what's actually out there. I'm willing to bet it's more based off of the number that they seize. Yeah. I bet that, it's just that makes bullshit. more sense to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I know that uh, arrests in for cannabis in the district since they had legalized in 2014 mm -hmm. have gone down 96%. So I don't know how much they're actually going after nowadays. People are still Based getting arrested. On, we, just had, we just covered some stories about people getting arrested. In DC? Based on historical... Yeah, based on historical data, I would, say, I would not trust any numbers given out by law enforcement. Oh, whatever. Uh, I don't government? care. The point is that yeah, we... Are getting some legal cannabis and you don't have to buy a t-shirt every time and fill up your closet uh when you want some <laughs> how many t-shirts do you have now gretchen none of your business have you been donating that donating there, the extra there are lots of other products you can get i do like the uh, gourmet cookies they are delicious you can also get uh stickers mm -hmm. i told you there was the one school the school for the uh for the deaf that was selling artwork, students were painting in their dorm rooms. That's cool. selling it. Oh, nice. yeah. I was down with that. That's, that's, pretty awesome. that's probably the most yeah. creative one I've heard of yet. Mm -hmm. I like yeah. it. 
but I think this is a great thing for DC. I hope that folks will go after it and try and get the try and get a license. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the optional? Do they have to apply for the license, or or is it just if they want it? It is optional to apply for a license. However, if you don't, uh, there goes the gray market, and you will be shut down. They will start to enforce. You have anybody three hundred and fifteen days. No, the DC has come out before and said that they want to address the illicit market. This is their way, and perhaps New York should be taking like a page a from their handbook here, is you got all these illegal shops, give them a chance to go legal. You got a year to do it. If they go, fantastic. If not, go after them. Mm-hmm. When they when they don't and um, they get uh, the heavy-handed response from law enforcement, what then? Then we have a crisis on our hands. Oh my people God! People tired of us bitching and moaning cannabis. about the illicit oh market, but we won't do a damn thing about it. I don't understand this. Exactly. This is bullshit. Prophecy. Right. prophecy. I'm saying they've given them an avenue to get legal. If they want to get legal, they have the opportunity now. These companies will also be allowed to be vertically integrated. I mean, there are some benefits to doing this. Mm-hmm. I mean, DC is trying. They've spoken about reparations that you love, Rico. Um, I think people should be taking a look at what they're trying to do. For real. It's not about what I love. It's about what the black community deserves. I agree with that. Out out of the black community did not deserve reparations. I'm not getting into that. Answer that. Answer that. How do we not deserve reparations? How about no one deserves reparations? I'm not getting into it. Oh, man up after slavery, man up after Jim Crow, man up after 400 years of oppression, economic, systemic oppression. That's what we just got to do, man up. No, you're missing out. I'm saying, bro, I don't think anyone should get reparations for for whatever, for whatever reason. People just need. Of course you don't. Are, are you a black? Are you a black male? Are you no, a black I'm female? Not. I am not. Yo, if, we if got Doff coming then... up. Come on, Doff. Yeah, man. You let's, let's, let's keep it moving. Doff, we got to in on that one, man. Top of the morning, my good people. Uh, but we, we have to realize and we have to also always keep in perspective. Black folk are one of the only nationalities who were done wrong, who didn't get reparations. Right. Native Americans, did, Japanese Americans did uh, recently. Asian Americans did for Asian hate just recently. But keep in mind, Facts. how much, how much, helped, Doff, how much, how much did Asians helped. get? It doesn't matter how, how much did black folk. They got, they, if they got one dollar, they got one dollar more than we did. Bingo. We help. No, but I, I, I haven't seen them get any money. So this is why but, I'm asking. I mean, but we see I can drive down the freeway and I see billboards everywhere to say stop Asian. Hate. I agree with that. Even, I, even that alone. But we have to think about we are literally using infrastructures daily that black mm-hmm. folk built. Right. And black folk were never. I mean, here, here's an a, a interesting tidbit that people don't know. Most people don't realize that the slave owners were paid for their freed slaves. But the slaves themselves were never given anything for being treated as, 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 as product and as, as someone's belonging. So I do understand the, the school of thought of, hey, we shouldn't be giving money away. But it's not giving money away. It's paying for the work that was done for free. So it, it, it's a very slippery slope. Jason, I, I just put it, I just put that link in there. Yes, um, the White House did indeed put aside millions upon millions of dollars uh, in response to the attack on Asians um, uh, during the pandemic. Well, I, so I, 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 I totally missed hearing anything about that. Yeah. Totally missed anything about that. Yeah. 
but we got to keep it. We got to keep it moving. We're going to go to a commercial, and we're going to be right back. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. The thoughts and opinions and general overall shade thrown at Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. If you're an easily offended person, this show is probably not for you. And maybe you should go and self-certify in D.C. Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. Up next, he is an immortal cannabis wizard who created the selfie itself with Judas in exchange for diamond-encrusted clothing. Up next, you know who it is. It is the co-host <laughs> of the What's Good podcast in our very own truth teller himself. Matthew St. Germain, the Count. What do you have for us on this beautiful Monday morning? Thanks, for the Rico. Happy Monday. I'm going to get right into it. There is an investor in the cannabis firm Tilray suing current and former boards and the ex-CEO. Uh, as everything's crashing, we're going to see a lot of this infighting. It's pretty funny to me. Tilray Brands is being sued by an investor who alleges the company's former leadership led investors astray. The shareholder specifically alleges that ex-CEO Brendan Kennedy and other former Tilray board members misled investors and that the current board failed to take appropriate action in response. The shareholder's derivative complaint against the Canada-based cannabis, alcohol, and pharmaceutical distribution company was filed March 1st in the U.S. District Court of New York. According to the statement, Tilray's gross margin declined from 55% in the first quarter of 2018 to 31% in the third quarter. To mollify shareholders, the former directors deceived stockholders by both overstating inventory and understating labor costs, thus overstating gross margins. The complaint citing allegations in the pending lawsuit, Caslingham versus Tilray, alleges that Tilray misclassified unsellable trim, an industrial byproduct from processing cannabis, by wrongly valuing it at more than $40 million. Worthless cannabis oil inventory was also allegedly overvalued. All told, Defendant Kennedy, with the apparent acquiescence of the board, allegedly inflated the value of Tilray's inventory by over $68 million until March 2nd, 2020, when the company accurately wrote down 44% of its total inventory. The company also alleges Tilray's early 2019 co-branding deal with Authentic Brands Group was meant to prop up Tilray's stock price, again citing allegations from that former lawsuit. During negotiations for Tilray's eventual merger with Afria, the complaint charges, Kennedy confronted with the prospect of Afria's due diligence, disclosed the truth in January 2020, and announced that Tilray had renegotiated the ABG agreement, subsequently writing down 
86% of the deal's value. The complaint alleges that ABG-related impairment, along with a major inventory write-down, caused an 18% decline in Tilray's stock price over two days in March 2020. However, the complaint goes on to claim that Kennedy had earned more than $28 million selling Tilray share and timed his sales very well. He made most of his sales either within two weeks after he began making false statements or within about two months before the corrective disclosures. In February 23, Plaintiff Hudson issued a pre-lawsuit litigation demand to Tilray's current board seeking an independent, reasonable, good-faith investigation. Hudson also asked the current board to take action against the former board and Kennedy in order to protect the company's interests and recover the damages caused by their misconduct. Specifically, Hudson asked the board to secure tolling agreements with former directors, a move that would have temporarily suspended the statute of limitations. However, the complaint claims Tilray's current board, now chaired by CEO Erwin Simon, simply sat on its hands and failed to make those agreements in time. The board has either acted recklessly by failing to promptly take the reasonable basic steps necessary to ensure that Tilray can assert its valuable claims or worse, has deliberately chosen to run out the clock and protect the company's former directors from the consequences of their misconduct. The complaint specifically alleges breach of fiduciary duties, unjust enrichment, and waste of corporate assets, and violations of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. Another stockholder derivative suit against Tilray Management regarding the ABG deal was filed in 2020. The company so far has reported a net loss of $61.6 million in its most recent quarter and recently dropped all of its 2024 sales targets. Well, to me, this is just hilarious. It's more proof of these folks jumping in, trying to do the same thing they've done in the dot-com bubble, the stock market, and everywhere else, which is extract wealth without actually inputting any value. And I'm really excited to bring this to you guys and to hear what you guys and the folks in the chat have to say about this. This is Matthew St. Germain for the High Nine News on a Monday. Now that things are coming to, coming together in the world of federal uh, uh, federal legalization and all the corporations that are actually going to get a uh, have a dog in this fight, you're going to see lots and lots of infighting. And I love, love, love to see this kind of shit because there's going to be losers. There's going to be winners on grand scale, but there's going to be plenty of losers as well. So let them fight. Interesting. That's all you had to say about this, huh? Let them fight. Man. I just, <clears throat> I find it very, very, very interesting that they are, uh, that, they're, that they're going after Brandon for this. Why is that, Jason? I just, I, I, I just feel like, like you, you already had a, a you know, a, not an amazing company, a company that was like propagated on stilts. And then all of a sudden the stilts fell, fall off and now you're suing the guy that's not even the CEO anymore. It sounds like they have pretty good proof that he was manipulating stock prices by uh, making false statements so that he could sell his stock before it was devalued, and that is a federal felony. Isn't isn't this damn near exactly what they were trying to accuse uh, Beerman of, and he got off? Mm -hmm. It was his it, fault. It does seem very similar. Yeah. yeah, very similar. How many? Yeah, how how Beerman many of these are bucks. rolling out? You have all those yeah. folks that went uh, that went public on the uh, on the TSX in the Toronto Exchange and like uh, in, in Canada back in what is like 2017, 2018. How many of those are going to get in trouble for quote unquote manipulation? Probably most of them. Yeah, let them burn. Mm -hmm. 
Let them burn. It just it just goes to show again, like this whole public corporation thing is not a benefit to society in any way. It's a benefit to no. a few people, and people in cannabis should be focused on creating quality cannabis products, not on stock market manipulation and public ownership in order to create wealth at the expense of others. That's not how the cannabis world works. Yeah, the cannabis plant doesn't like that. No, sir. That's one of the reasons they grow all food. This plant weeds out the people who aren't supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What What do you think about this, Chris? I mean, being former law enforcement, you have any have any have any thoughts on all this? Uh... I, I like uh, Matthew's comments, and I was going to add before uh, Mandy added also another great comment that I think that it extends to um, to folks within the industry as well. That you know, putting putting um, cut clients patients, customers, however you touch the industry first is is massively important. And there's a big lack of that, unfortunately, going on today. I mean, you can inflate I, your numbers all you want. At some point, there will be a moment of reckoning where that's going to come to light. Yep. You know, you right. can only fake something for so long. I don't know. I'm going to be on the side of my brothers and corporations out there. Corporations. Hold on, hold on. Corporations are people too. They're people too. too. CCGG, the CCGG. Corporate comrade Gretchen (laughs) Gill. Everybody, I don't know how many investors in this space are pissed off about something that they did and they all think that something illegal happened. I just want to see how this court case plays out. People need to, easy, people need to really be sure about who they're investing in, what they're doing, and if an investment does not work out, that's on you. I mean, get over it. That's what, investment's a gamble. I think too many people who have invested in this space think they're guaranteed results and returns, Mm -hmm. and that just ain't happening. Uh, We will see if they consider these guys at fault. I think there's a, and I am truly, I know, Nothing in the legal world about how this all works and stuff, but I'm banking on they're going to find some loopholes to say that they didn't do anything wrong and this guy's going to be out of luck. Gretchen does have a very, very valid point right there is with everyone's expectations of, oh, they're going to get so rich from the cannabis market. Um, She she has a real good point there that everyone is, um, you know, cannabis is a hard business to be in. And anyone that doesn't acknowledge that or just thinks that it's going to you're going to like turn into a billionaire or millionaire overnight. It's just not reality. And so therefore, it's all about managing expectations and everyone's expectations are like, oh, we're going to be millionaires overnight. We're investing in cannabis. But I, I would argue that every single one of these cannabis companies that went public misled investors. Because when they told investors to to, to invest I'd, in, their, I'd argue that every single cannabis company misleads everyone due to testing standards. How Period. about that? Yeah, it's, fe- it's a federally illegal industry. Somebody's going to be lying somewhere to push this shit through. Mm-hmm. Whether it's at the federal level, whether it's at the corporate level, or whether it's on the street, somebody could be lying for some money I mean, going through the, the system. Rico, the fact I that mean, this is a federally illegal substance even goes more to how much of a gamble an investment in one of these businesses agreed. was. I agree I with mean, that. I'm so agreeing ridiculous. with you. I'm agreeing with you 100%. That it's a brand new emerging industry. Even in California, we've only been in it for a few short years. And there is so much unknown to, I don't know. I don't have hundreds of millions of dollars to go dumping into anybody's business. But if I did, I would be quite reluctant to be the first one to throw all of my money into some big giant swimming pool that I don't know where the deep end ends. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Mandy, I, th- I think you hit you hit the nail right on the head with that one. Like, like there's so many opaque areas on the CCTV uh, of, of, of the federal government because like yeah. this is an illegal industry. Like, like this is an illegal industry and there's no way anybody can you know, properly do due diligence yeah. for an investment in this industry because you have no idea what the fuck is going on behind it. And the an unintentional byproduct, I'm sure, of what happened in 2017, 2018, 2019 when all this VC funding was going into these large MSOs. Yep. I mean, they all thought they were going to just kick us all out of the industry, take over, mm-hmm. become yep. more wealthy. They did and think that, 100%, kinda like, didn't they? It's kind of on them <laughs> in a way because they're all seeing their stocks plummet. But the joke is also on the legacy operators still because in a way we suffered and had even more pain points all this time. And now many of us are still here, but we're just hobbling right. along. Well, Mandy, Mandy, that, yeah. that just points to our resiliency at oh, the absolutely. same time too yes. and 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 our ability that if we were given the opportunity with all those types of dollars it's that we money. truly would be successful yes. because we've been able to navigate and stay alive during this yep. rough period in time but chris yep. what do you have to say about this yeah i was just going to say listen it is extremely you know i'm i'm new to the industry my my firm touches a very specific point of this or, or aspect of this industry but i will just say two things one at the very core of this industry i found some of the most giving um good-hearted folks I've ever met in my life by far. Uh, and I believe that's the core of this industry. Number two, I would say that there is je- definitely not enough due diligence. And I can only speak to what's in my wheelhouse, but you know, when it comes to buying and selling dispensaries or buying and selling real estate, there is a huge lack of due diligence and people are, are investing into problems um, and they don't, they're unaware until the deal's done. Um, partly, I think a little bit of a lack of education on, you know, we all don't know what we don't know, but also part of uh, the idea that you know we're just going to invest money and get super rich in this industry, which is you know obviously mm-hmm. not the case, but uh, those are the two points I want to make. Thanks. The, the biggest problem is people not understanding the risk reward scenario. Like everybody thinks there's just all this money in cannabis, and there's a couple things. Number one, the main reason there was so much money in cannabis is because you had to have gigantic brass balls to grow weed, because there were people with polyester uniforms and bad haircuts that loved Jesus that were coming to wreck your shit. And there was a bunch of guys coming to steal your shit constantly. And that's why it was worth money. And when you take away the legal and and, and safety harm possibilities, all of a sudden the risk is not there. So the reward goes down. And number two, like all of these lawmakers, all these people investing, they saw the music videos with all these people like flaunting big money and renting Lambos and smoking weed. And they thought weed dealers had all this money. What they didn't realize is the people with all the money were selling Coke the whole time. Uh, we got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. And on that note, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Oh, yeah. Coming up next, she's a cannabis executive that loves to show how being a cannabis executive, being a mother, and loves how to flaunt an executive lifestyle. That's right. It is the Mandy Tingler. Good Monday morning to you guys. Today's article is kind of gross and kind of sad. A trigger warning. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. The headline reads, man claims can- addiction leads to porn 
childborn conviction in Washington, D.C., a California, this comes out of Washington, D.C., a California man caught in a country undercover child porn sting has been sentenced to over 11 years in prison after asking the court to consider that a cannabis addiction could have caused his offense. As a part of his plea, Jacob Doctor, 28 years old of Taft, California, admitted that in May 2020 on an internet chat room dedicated to child pornography, he sent multiple pieces of child porn to an undercover agent, which he had apparently produced self. FBI agents immediately subpoenaed Kick, the message, messaging app Doctor was using, and uncovered his address. That same day, agents raided Doctor's home, seizing a phone that contained the images which Doctor had attempted to delete. Agents also identified one of the rooms in Doctor's house as the background for the images Doctor sent to the undercover agent. Doctor's victim was a two-year-old at the time of the offense. It came time for Doctor to be sentenced. Prosecution presented wildly divergent views of his defenses. The prosecution called for him to be sentenced 15 years in prison, writing the offender not only distributed child sex abuse material, but he in fact created such material. A sentence of 180 months incarceration reflects the severity of the defendant's offense. Doctor, on the other hand, requested a sentence of just five years, writing that he was quote, a good man who did a horrible thing. In a letter handwritten on prison stationery, Doctor told his own version of the story, claiming that the terrible situation got started when an acquaintance invited him to a threesome. A third party he, he, a third party he wrote, then he asked, or asked if he went, was into CP, although he blocked that person and wrote some part of him was interested, so he sought out the forum where he was eventually caught said that he was thankful he was caught by an undercover officer and that the images would not actually be circulated amongst other offenders i wish that i could go back and undo what i've done but i know that i can't he wrote his sentencing memorandum also offered an alternative explanation for his behavior cannabis addiction doctor was evaluated by a clinical psychologist dr allison schechter let's look her up who diagnosed him with cannabis use disorder, noting that he had used marijuana daily since he was 16. His cannabis use disorder contributed significantly to his lack of ambition and motivation to obtain and keep his employment consistent, which led to him being home all day with no meaningful routine or structure, she wrote. The components were likely a significant contributor to Mr. Doctor having too much time on his hands, which led him to turning to the internet for stimulation, which eventually led his offense. She went on to write that it was likely a, quote, significant contributor to his offense, and Doctor, who also wrote the harsh conditions he faced at Central Virginia Regional Jail, including effectively being confined to his cell, merit a more lenient sentence. The judge ultimately leaned into seven years in prison. Guys, I don't know about you, but cannabis gets blamed for so much. This one, I'm rolling my eyes in a massive way, too. And um, I'm just wondering what you guys think this kind of story has an impact on lawmakers out there in the world right now. This is Mandy for Hide Nine. This is. This is peak reefer madness 
and this 100%. is just hundred percent straight fucking it's just disgusting. disgusting. Yes. Like, 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 oh yeah, I shot this motherfucker. I was uh, this is we was too fucking strong. I was on. Yeah, we have uh, we have Dr. Felicia though up from the clubhouse nice. audience to comment on this. Dr. Felicia, what do you have to say about this? Hey, thanks, Jason, and and good morning, good afternoon, everybody. Yeah, the story is very disturbing because yes, it will be used by legislators to mm -hmm. um, keep cannabis down. Facts. Um, but but you can be, <laughs> you can have a cannabis use disorder, and be a child predator. Both can be true at the same time. But the cannabis did not cause that. That that's there's nothing in child pornography, pedophilia, um, se child sexual assault that has cannabis use disorder as an etiology. Cannabis does not cause this deviant behavior, and this man is ill, and he's a criminal, and they should lock him up and throw away the key. Agreed. The other thing too, and Dr. Felicia, I'd love to get your insight on this. You know. With DSM statistics that actually delineate out what this disorder is, it's time for change and recall in that, wouldn't you say? The diagnostic criteria is so old. Well, you know, apparently you can be a pedophile, but not act on your instinct. Yeah. And you know, a lot, a lot of people are born, they're born they're, some people are, they're born that way, but they have a lot of anxiety about those thoughts. Uh, and, and but half of them don't act on those impulses, so that's kind of that's di that may be different than being attracted to child pornography and assaulting children. If, you know, everybody who assaults children that is not a pedophile. So it's it's a very complex situation. But like I said, you can be a criminal and be ill at the same time. nothing to do with I, I just I, I just I just hate the fact that he's trying to use cannabis as, as his scapegoat for his sick pedophilia fetishes or whatever the hell they're called nowadays yeah. it is just yeah, that, disgusting yeah yeah and, that, that, that makes me the most sick <laughs> yeah truly. because you know you're gonna have people like Laura Ingram that's gonna come and 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 probably put this on Fox News and all of a sudden is gonna be spreading this reefer madness propaganda yep and this is this is the type of you know this is the type of it just makes no sense no no medical basis to latch right onto any of this and you know yeah they'll, they'll latch right onto it and they're gonna say that correlation and causation mm -hmm. exactly well Jason why don't you just call up your girl Laura and tell her tell her what's what I will call her don't worry about all that Gretchen. <laughs> All right. I got that. Laura's Chris girl. Eggers, what's what's new with you? Oh, I have an article from, uh, from High Times. I can just get right into it. I know we're off. Uh, Let's roll into it, man. Fellow dead and former former North uh, Northern California cop coming to the motherfucking stage. Y'all know who it is. He used to run all around the country because he was a cross country athlete, and now he runs through the fucking headlines on Monday mornings, giving you the truth. <laughs> And you're bringing it with a little bit of law and order flair. What you got for us today, Chris Eggers? Hey, Rico. Good to see you, buddy. Always good to hear your voice on a Monday. Thanks for the intro. My article comes out of High Times. Ben Cohen of Ben & Jerry's launches nonprofit Cannabis Co. Focused on criminal justice reform. We'll get right into it. Ben Cohen announced B3, a registered nonprofit cannabis company with an uh, entirely new approach, giving 100% of profits to black entrepreneurs in the cannabis space and groups advocating for criminal justice reform. 
Fueled by craving for justice over profits, it could be a winning approach. 80% of profits from B3 will go towards black cannabis entrepreneurs in the cannabis space. In addition, B3 established a low interest loan fund for black, indigenous, and people of color cannabis entrepreneurs. Both the grant and loan programs will be delivered under the partnership with Oregon-based New Leaf Project, a Black-led nonprofit organization. The remaining 20% will be evenly divided between the Vermont Racial Justice Alliance and the Last Prisoner Project. B3 offers craft cannabis with a bigger focus on terps and quality, as well as protest graphics-inspired designs. To do this, B3 collaborated with Eddie Opara of the design firm uh, of a design firm to collaborate closely with Cohen to design a brand uh, identity framework packaging for B3, uh, prominently highlighting black artists and designers. The goal was to convey the company's message of activism with topography inspired by protest graphics. I know we've got a link in here. They're pretty cool. I also wanted to share, there's a link, Jason, can we, can we get to it? Uh, that talks about the board of trustees. Let me talk about that real quick. B3's board of trustees, there's a link in the article. Uh, includes President um, uh, Horton, Secretary uh, Treasurer Dr. Uh, Derek, Ham uh, yeah, Derek Hamilton, Killer Mike, uh, Phil Agnew, and Nina Turner. They work with Cohen as Vice President and Irene Kim as Operations Manager. Click the link. You can read some bios on everybody that's involved on the Board of Trustees. Very cool. B3 advocates... Um, I'm sorry, I lost my spot. The goal of Ben's Best Graphics was to be honest and artful, to reflect the quality of our products and the social mission of our brand, to help right the wrongs of the war on drugs, which disproportionately affect black people, black people, according to Cohen, on the company's website. To focus on this issue is something that a lot of brands might mention, but virtually no other brand makes it so prominent. That's the end quote. More graphics in this article, really cool. Happy to share it this morning. How do we feel about that last quote? How do we feel about that last quote that the focus on this issue is something that a lot of other brands might mention, but virtually no other brand makes so prominent? My name well, is it's easy, it's easy to say that when you have millions and billions of dollars to be able to just dump into something like this and you're not just trying to raise the funds yourself. But secondly, um, I really think that these guys are hitting the nail on the head. Because there is no profit in cannabis, so why not just set up a nonprofit to run your cannabis brand? Yep, I, I think, I, I think um, they, they, they're servicing right. Go ahead, Mandy. Sorry. Ben and Jerry's never disappoints. They're always out there leading the charge. I yep. really want to be like them when I grow up. Um, exactly. And also, ice cream and weed goes really well together as a marketer. I love this play. And last. Um, I really, really hope that they do okay because they're not. They're not. They're going to do terrible. They're going to do totally terrible. Okay, they're going to do totally terrible. They might as well, if they really wanted to get involved in this, what right. they should have just done is just started a criminal justice fund that that funds for stuff and not even touch the cannabis side. Was it was it uh, was it was it you and I think it was a few other people saying that Vermont has the the, the best underground weed up there. Um. Vermont was the main, 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 but it's right next to each other. Yep. But, but here's the thing, you know, we covered that story about the guy from Vermont. I wonder if he is going to be trapping Ben and Jerry's weed um, over to New York. Giving BJ's, giving out BJ. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, well, well, I, well, you know, Ben and Jerry's good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would not put it past them also that this is a tax break and makes business sense for them. These people aren't mm -hmm. stupid. They're not doing everything out of the goodness of their hearts. I don't buy it. 
There's no I don't buy it either. I 100%. There's totally total motive behind this. So, so Gretchen, uh, the point that you're making is there's, there's no such thing as conscious capitalism. Is that right? Am I getting you right? I think you guys should really like read up and study on Ben and Jerry's 30 plus year history. and what I, I understand that they do wonderful the things at St. Germain. I get it. I get it. Totally get that they do. You know but I'm saying they do it with there's some business behind it. They're not, this is the not whole reason the for founding the company heart. was because they made good ice cream and they wanted to use that to forward social justice yep. and environmental policy. Like the entire reason for the ice cream to exist was for them to do good work. That's, that's the it. thing. We there, yeah. there are plenty, yeah. there are a lot of companies, but, but you're that saying, you're literally saying work. that no, no, no this I'm saying company was if started there was in order to do good things. Them, I'm it wasn't started was. to make all companies are started to do good things, Matthew. No, they're not, Jason. No, I'm 100 with you, bro. I'm 100 with you on that one, brother. Because there's no better company to get in the business and to talk shit about all of these other large companies that are their peers and talk like and tell nothing but fucking truth about them. Like we actually do this. We were built on this. We've been doing this for 30 fucking years. I would like to see what you were doing before George Floyd. You know what's crazy well, is that Nick good. in the chat Thank just said know. that Unilever bought Ben and Jerry's. I'm simply saying oh. that if this did not make them money, Erase they would not be doing it. Minutes. Go, go, go ahead, Dr. Felicia. I'm a little stunned by that. You can do good and do and do well at the same time. It it really can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw yeah, yeah, how Ben and Jerry's got bought out without selling. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. All right, wrap it up. Yeah, your 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 internet's getting you're getting shot up by the internet police, bro. Yeah. They yeah. found you, Rico. You they found the homicide. Yeah, the Matrix found you. Oh yeah, thank you all. Oh, also to quick note for everybody, um, make sure that you go and check out our website. We are running a 420 contest. We want you to share some pictures. Tell us about what you're planning on doing for 420, how you're planning to celebrate. And there's going to be some winners, and they're going to get some stuff. But we'll, we'll have more details on that coming up. But this is just out. Make sure you go register it, post your Twitter's handles and your Instagram handles for us so we can help uh, share your 420 experience as well. Also, too, we do want to uh, close the show out in the memory of Bobby Plastershern, a.k.a. Bobby Tuna Fish. He passed away over the week weekend. He was a um, lifelong cannabis importer back in the days from the 60s and the 70s. Um, he had a deal with True Leave to sell black tuna as his brand out in Florida. And we want to wish his family and everybody uh, the best in regards uh, we know it's a tough time for you all, but thank you all for getting high at nine with us every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank yous to our audience and supporters for tuning in daily and listening to the insanity that is the developing cannabis industry. Thank you to all of our haters out there for talking and thinking about us because we have the most immaculate pieces of property rent free inside of your heads. You should come over and visit sometime. Huge thank you to all of our sponsors, uh, DNA Genetics, iSpire, Omar Figueroa, helping us keep everything rocking. And thank you to our correspondents for being truly amazing. And thank you to Cannabis for giving a reason, a reason for us to do this. Thank you to Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, Green Street, and oh yeah, Zaza Simone Brown, holding it down in Clubhouse to create 
this cannabis universe. Thank you all for tuning in and getting high at nine with us. It's America's number one daily cannabis news show.